Praise the Lord. How many of you love your pastor? Come on, give them a big hand. So we're honored to, to be here and minister to you today. My name is Tom Scarella. My wife, uh, Susie, and I are evangelists out of uh, Minneapolis-St. Paul. And so as Pastor said, we, we met uh, way back in 2008. I didn't realize it was that long ago. And uh, so we, we connected then. Uh, just a little bit about myself. I've been in ministry now uh, a little over 35 years. I was a pastor seven and a half years, and then I got delivered. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And uh, just kidding, my friends. Just kidding. And, uh, <clears throat> but I, I pastored for... Um, for uh, uh, four, uh, four years, uh, well, excuse me, five years in New Jersey, uh, and those were the years of the tribulation, and then I went from there to California, and I pastored in California about a little over two years, and then from there, I moved to a place called Oklahoma, and I transitioned in Tulsa to become uh, itinerant minister uh, in 1994, and so since that time, we've ministered in a little over a thousand churches. Uh, literally in 49 countries and uh, 30, excuse me, 49 states, uh, 30 countries. And so praise the Lord. So hallelujah. We're going to do something a little different tonight. Is that all right? Okay, just stand your feet with me just for a second. So I'm going to stretch you a little bit. All right. So now not your spouse. Everyone say not your spouse. Okay. But we're going to give a two-minute Holy Ghost testimony to somebody, just I want you to share a testimony of the most powerful experience you ever had in God. Less than two minutes, and then they're going to give theirs to you less than two minutes. So turn, find somebody, either you don't know them or somebody else, the most powerful experience you ever had. Go for it. that video called Street Healing in just just a few minutes. So have it ready. And at the end I'll play that song play that song Holy Ghost for ministry time. And then just keep looping it. Okay. Two more minutes. Two more minutes.
All right, give them a great big hug in the name of Jesus. Then you can be seated. Praise the Lord. What have I started, huh? <laughs> All right, praise God. Um, real quick, uh, we, want to, we, we brought our book table with us, and I'll share a few things from our table that we have. Uh, we've written several different books out there. Um, our, our most popular book is a book we wrote on revival history. Whoops. And it's uh, on the first three revivals of the 1900s. Many people don't know this, but the first people baptized in the Holy Spirit were actually over in Topeka, Kansas in 1901. And 44 people were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so uh, that was Charles Parham's group. And then they went and they took it, the fire of God, and they ended up down in Houston. That's another story. But then the fire, we called it a fire that can jump the ocean. And so then it went in 1904 to Wales, and then the fire came back in 1906 to a place called Azusa Street. And so we've got photos in there. Uh, Robert Slairdon blessed us with photos that are not in any other revival book in the world. And so you can get that. So be blessed. All right. And uh, also, we wrote an, another book. This is our most popular book, actually. Uh, uh, we put it into a manual format about hearing God's voice. Many people have questions about hearing God's voice. And so we go into the 10 different ways that God speaks to us. And we talk about things like dreams and visions and all of that stuff's in there, if you're interested. If you're a little bit technical, these are not business cards, but these are actually USBs. And they go in your car, your computer, or if you have a smart TV, it'll go in the back of your TV. And it's got video, audio, ebooks, and worship on it. It's got over $300 worth of stuff on one of them, but it's only 40 bucks a piece. So uh, we've got uh, this one here I grabbed was Prophetic School. We have Healing School. We have Holy Spirit School. And we also have Dreams and Vision School. And so there's like 14 hours of training just like on Dreams and Vision School. I did a whole entire uh, teaching on how God is speaking. How many of you dream a lot? Raise your hand. Anyone? I'm a dreamer too. So, so what is God saying in your dreams and how do you interpret it biblically? And so all of that's in there um, as well. And we want to bless you with a free ebook. If you're interested, you can put your email on there. And we'll just say, we're not going to ask for money. It's just to bless you. Our hearts are pure. We just want to bless you. Sow something into Oklahoma. Amen? I want to show you a quick video clip. I think it'll bless you. Watch this. What does it hurt? In my, right here, like in my shoulder. Okay, so right now, all pain go in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, lift it. No way. <laughs> no way. <laughs> How many times in our daily lives do we come across people who are hurting, who look like they have everything together? People we come across in the mall, on the streets, maybe just getting in and out of their cars and we don't realize God's dealing with them all along. Okay, so I just hold it just like this. So, okay, so. All pain go right now out of his shoulder right now. So try to lift it now. A little bit to see God use them and see his hand extended through them and powerfully impact people, maybe who've never heard the gospel their whole lives. The Holy Spirit sends us to the most broken of vessels. What happened to your knee? Uh, I hurt my knees. Yeah. And he put here his hand 
Yeah. No People want freedom. People are hungry. People are hurting. And people are looking for a demonstration of the power of God. Woohoo! Come on, give Jesus a hand. Amen. So praise God. Well, tonight, um, if you have your Bibles, go with me to the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4. So Luke chapter 4. Ah, you know what? Before we go ahead and start with the Word, I want to do something. I just The Lord spoke this to me several years ago, and I want to be faithful with that. Um, you're in a safe place, okay? So if you're, you're a visitor or whatever, you're in a safe place tonight. But how many of you are here tonight and you've never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and spoken tongues? Just raise your hand real high. All right. Okay. Praise the Lord. All right. Good. Okay. I wanted to just be faithful with that. The Lord told me that years ago. Okay. So Luke chapter 4. All right. Verse 14. Then Jesus. Everyone say, then Jesus. So it says, then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. News of him went out throughout all the surrounding region. And he taught in the synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue and stood up uh, on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has what? Anointed me, right? So he has anointed me. Now he's quoting Isaiah chapter 61. To preach the gospel to the poor and to set me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he closed the book, and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all that were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, I, I want to focus on that here tonight is this. This is what God spoke to me about sharing with you uh, here in this new year is about being sensitive to the anointing. Everyone say, be sensitive to the anointing. So here he starts to talk about Jesus returns in the power of the Spirit. Here it starts to talk about the Spirit upon and how the Lord anointed the Lord Jesus. Obviously, the first 30 years of his life, he does no miracles until he is water baptized. When he's water baptized, bam, the Spirit came upon him, anointed him at that exact time. Amen? So here he's describing this, and it's obviously prophetically speaking about the Lord Jesus. And so as it is, he begins to start to go through. He said, the Lord has anointed me. And then he begins to list what he's anointed me to do. So there's a purpose to the anointing. So we could see that right out, right from the very beginning, that there's always purpose to the anointing of God, to the presence of God, to the tangible presence of God. We can say it like that. Is that all right? Everyone say the tangible presence, right? So let me just kind of back up. So I didn't grow up in a great church like this. I grew up in, in Minnesota, in western Minnesota. Uh, I was born in St. Paul. My folks were divorced when I was uh, like three years old and made me very bitter, <coughs> very angry. And so as a young kid and a young teenager, I was always rebelling and getting in trouble and stuff. And when I was 16 years old, <clears throat> 
God sent a man from Fargo, North Dakota. And he was in worship in one Sunday. The Lord spoke to him. The anointing of God came on him. And the Spirit of God said, I want you to go to this little town called Herman, Minnesota. And I want you to start a Bible study for teenagers. And he said, I don't even like teenagers. <laughs> I, I definitely don't want to do this. I'm the wrong guy, you know. And so, but he was sensitive to the Spirit. Everyone say, be sensitive. So he was sensitive to the anointing, and so he just said, I feel, you know, unequipped. I feel like I'm not the guy. I'm not the right guy. So he comes to my little dinky town that was very religious, and, and we have a saying in Minnesota that we have, uh, we have more Lutherans than people. And some of you will get that joke on the way home. So, but everybody and their dog, cat, everything is a Lutheran, all right? So... Um, so our town was very, very Lutheran and all this. So here's this Holy Ghost guy comes to this little country town, western Minnesota, 732 people, and starts a Bible study for kids. And then he starts a Bible study as well for adults. And he had no idea where it was going to go. And so of us kids that came, well, several kids came, about 15 kids came, and they end up getting saved, baptized in water, baptized in the Holy Ghost. And he was disciple him over that summer of when I was just turned 16. And, and so I was mocking these kids. I was ridiculing these kids. I was so wicked. I was tearing their Bibles up out of their lockers. We would record demonic music over the worship music. I was, I was a bad boy, all right? And so one Wednesday night, the youth pastor went and said, he said, now, I want to challenge you with prayer. I want you to start to pray for the worst sinner in, in the high school and stuff. <laughs> and I guess they, they must have unanimously picked me or something. And so they started to pray for me that week. And that was a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And uh, that following Saturday, I was getting in trouble with my friends in another town. And I see one of these kids from this Bible study, and I'm like, Okay, I know this guy. I got to greet him, you know. And I was a wrestler. He was a basketball player. And never shall the two meet. You understand? So I, I went and I said, hey, how you doing? And he just held my hand. And he didn't know how to evangelize. But he went and he said, Tom, you're going to hell. Pray this prayer. <laughs> so he didn't know what he was doing. So he did everything wrong. But still, God anointed it. Boy, right? And so God anointed it, and I, I didn't even hear any of that. All I heard is, you're going to hell. And it was like, whew, all my life of conviction just came crashing on me. And I just start praying with this guy, and I felt for the first time the tangible presence of God fall on me in the middle of the street. And it felt like 16 years of anger just went right out of the bottom of my feet in a matter of a second. And I was instantaneously delivered. Come on, somebody. Amen. And so that was the, 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 the summer of 82. And so I went and I was just on fire for God. I came home and I had, I had all these Kiss albums and all of this stuff. And I destroyed, I destroyed it all. And I had wicked pictures on my walls. I had to rip all the pictures off my walls and stuff. And, and that night, I mean, just the anointing of God. Everyone say the anointing of God. I mean, the anointing of God just right out the gate. I mean, I was not even 24 hours old in Christ. And the Spirit of God is directing me and leading me. 
Amen. And I mean, my Lutheran parents just had a double fit, you know, and so they liked it better when I was listening to demonic music and reading books on mysticism and stuff. And, and, and here I am radically born again, and I start reading the Bible, and I started, you know, I, I went and eventually I got baptized in the Holy Ghost, and then I started getting all the Baptist girls filled with the Holy Ghost, and then I got in trouble for that, so... But, but I was always, you know, just on fire. And, and, and in fact, uh, uh, my youth pastor, uh, a lady who housed the Bible study, she went and she lent me two books. And one of the two books that she gave me was T.L. Osborne's book called Healing the Sick. And so just a, a hunger for healing the sick came into my heart. And it was just like overwhelming. And I found myself just wanting to constantly heal uh, the sick. And I grew up in a, in a home of sickness. I, that's all I, we ever talked about. In fact, when I was 14, I broke my neck. I was in a wrestling accident in another town. I was wrestling uh, in varsity, and, and a kid snapped my neck, and I stood up from the wrestling mat to face him, and my head fell in the middle of my chest. And I picked my own head up, and it fell back down. And I had busted up my back and all kinds of injuries and stuff. And so I just lived in constant pain. And here I get born again two years later, and, and I'm reading this book about divine healing. And the Lord starts to minister to me in different areas, and I start to get healed. And a couple years later, I end up meeting Charles and Frances Hunter, and she prays for me and grows out my legs and grows out my arms and my neck. It just, it just went... <laughs> My whole body, you know, the doctor's pr prognosis was that I would have to learn to live with arthritis the rest of my life, and and I was radically healed, and never never struggled since then. Come on, somebody, amen. But it was by following the anointing, by following the Spirit, by following the anointing. There's just something about it, and that's why I found it interesting when I was reading this today. I was reading this here in verse 21, and it says, he began to say, uh, uh, and he began to say to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Right after this, the scripture says, they, they went and they basically threw him out of town. Now, why did they throw him out of town? Because he said the word today. Okay. Right? So he said the word today, and that's, what, that's the demonstration part, see? See, religion says yes you know, there's mental assent to the Word of God in religion. But when it, you bring it and boil it down to that one word today, instantly you just take religion right out. Religion can't handle the word today. Religion can say in the millennium or in the rapture or in the, you know, in the back, you know, way back in the Bible days yet. But don't bring it into today, whatever you do. You understand? And so that's where religion fights revival. Revival says we have to have the anointing in demonstration today in our midst. That's the difference between revival and religion. And, and it's just like, you know, Samuel and Eli. You know, Samuel and Eli is a prophetic picture of religion with no power. What did Eli have? He had two sons that were a mess. Is that right? And eventually, Eli went and got in the rocking chair, went and rocked until he fell over and broke his neck. Is that a prophetic picture of religion? Religion has no power. It has no uh, fruit that comes from dead religion. Come on, somebody. Amen. There's no fruit from dead religion. But 
Samuel, he's the one who hears the Lord. Why? Because he slept near the Ark of the Covenant. He slept near that presence, near that anointing. He was, he was always wanting to be near that, that presence of God. Amen. He wanted to protect that anointing. Praise God. Amen. So, okay, so from here, go back to your left. Go back to where Jesus is quoting out of Isaiah. Y'all okay tonight? So Isaiah 61 is where he's quoting. Now, I, now some of it, he, he quoted it verbatim, but it goes on. And so I want you to see the Spirit of the Lord's upon me because he's anointed me to preach, number one, and to heal the brokenhearted, two, proclaim liberty to the captives. We call it deliverance. There's three. Opening a prison to those who are bound. Proclaimed acceptable year of the Lord in the day of vengeance of our God. And to comfort all that mourn, and to console those who mourn in Zion, and to give them what? Beauty for ashes, and what? The oil of joy for a morning. So, in other words, the anointing of God produces fruit. There's a fruit producing out of the anointing of God. Whenever the anointing of God is flowing and moving, in the midst of people. I mean, we've, we've gone and we've ministered in different places and we've just seen the anointing of God go and minister. I remember this one time we were in a church in, in Central California and, and we were ministering and, and we were just waiting on the Lord. And so as we're waiting on the Lord, God speaks to me and said, somebody has a deviated septum. Now, I didn't even know where that was. If you would have pointed at your elbow, I would have believed you. That's your deviated septum. I, I didn't know what it was. I had no idea what it was. So I said, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me that he's healing somebody right now of a deviated septum. And the guy, if you don't know what it is, it's a bone behind the nose and it doesn't allow you to breathe and stuff. And so a guy in the last row starts coughing and pff, he spit on the floor a great big bone about that big, all bloodied. Right in, I mean, literally, right out in the middle of the floor, he spit it out, and he was radically healed. Come on, somebody. We didn't have to lay hands on him. What? We just spoke the word. Come on, somebody, right? When the anointing of God is present, it just instantly sets the captives free. <laughs> That's a new definition for the, you know, cleaning ministry or <laughs> helps ministry. <laughs> what did you do this weekend? Well, we picked up a bloody piece of bone. That was... That was a lovely sight, you know, a little bit of mus mucus. And so, all right. So to give them beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called the trees of the Lord. Now, if you don't know this, in the Bible always, not always, but the majority of the time, whenever it speaks of trees, it's always people. It's a metaphor. It's a it's a parable that God uses frequently throughout the scriptures. You know, they'll be like trees. The trees of the field shall clap their hands. You'll be like a tree planted on the rivers of living water, right? Or planted by the, the, the streams, right? Again and again and again, all the way, Psalms 1, uh, Ezekiel 47. I mean, you can just go all the way down and, and you see that, that same metaphor. And so here he says, listen, you'll be called the trees of righteousness, in other words, the anointing of God not only will, you know, bring a manifestation, but it will also bring stability in your life. Come on, right? The anointing of God brings stability, and it roots you down. It doesn't make you a flaco. 
Come on, somebody. I mean, revival doesn't make flay. I always say this. Revival doesn't bring division. It just reveals the division that's always been there. That's all it does. It just, it, it's literally just the curtain is pulled. It's kind of like, you know, if you read the book of Malachi, here's a great example. So the book of Malachi, those four chapters, there's only four chapters, says you read Malachi. Now that's the last book of the Old Testament. By now, in, from the book of Malachi all the way till Matthew chapter 1, God doesn't say one word to natural Israel. Not one word for 400 years. And they were cool with it. They didn't even have behind the Holy of Holies. They didn't even have the Ark of the Covenant by then. Jeremiah had already hid the thing by then. Nobody's ever found it since then. So they didn't even have the Ark of the Covenant. They didn't even have God's presence, yet they continued religious activity like they still had God's presence. How many churches continue religious activity with nothing, so to speak, behind? Come on, somebody. In other words, there's no presence of God. There's no anointing. There's no demonstration. There's no stability. Amen? And that's where the anointing of God comes. It doesn't come to make us flakes, but it actually comes to bring a stability in our lives. When we start to follow the anointing of God, right? And, and now we minister, we're a little bit different than Pastor Ziggy. We're a little bit different as far as the amount that we, the, the different churches that we go to in a year. This last year was the most I've done in, I don't know how many years, but we did, we ministered in 57 churches in 2021. So where, where we usually go, but we do extend at times where we'll stay in a place for several days or several, excuse me, several weeks. But most of the time we do like a week revival and then we'll, we'll go on and stuff. But, um, but I can tell you, even in this last year, so many different churches all over America, we ministered in, in Oregon, California, uh, Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin, uh, New York. Um, I mean, I could go all the way down the line. In Texas, we were in Texas this last year. I mean, I could just go all the way across. Uh, Florida, um, uh, Georgia, I can't even remember. Oh, North and South Carolina both. We were there. And so all these different places, and so many of them, it's like... Um, it's like the machine of religion is going with no demonstration for today. That's the American church right now. And, and unfortunately, many of them, what happens is, is, is people come and they're looking for that tangible presence. And there's just nothing there. You understand? And then what happens is, is they run them in like cattle. Get them, you know, as many as we can in and quickly get them out, right? You know? And, and, and it's a mindset that's gotten into our people. And this is where I believe that the Lord has to, has to break that thing. Come on, right? The Lord has to break that thing. And now, I'm not just picking on the seeker-sensitive churches. I'm even picking on the Pentecostal charismatic churches. <laughs> Come on, right? Where half the church, I mean, we went to one church in Fresno, California. It was a Pentecostal church. Half the church wasn't baptized in the Holy Ghost. The associate pastor wasn't even filled with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I, I mean, mind-blowing. You understand? Why? Because they've gotten so used to just like, just like natural Israel, there's nothing behind there. 
but we have a veil that separates. So it doesn't show you what's behind here. But revival comes, and it rips that veil. Come on, somebody. And it says, this is what you got, brother. <laughs> and it's not a lot. You understand? And so that's where you start to hunger. That's why the Bible says, if any man thirsts, let him what? Come unto me and drink. And then it says, and then out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. It doesn't say the river starts first. It starts with thirst. It never starts with the river. It always starts with your thirst. That's where revival breaks out. Revival breaks out is when the church begins to thirst. And, and this is even, you know, historically, I love a lot of church history. And so if you follow American church history, you look at it. Interesting. 1750, the first great awakening. Charles uh, uh, and uh, Charles Wesley and, and, and George Whitfield and Jonathan Edwards. I mean, these guys had the fire of God in their ministries and you know, the, the Wesleyan church, the Wesley, you know, the, the Methodist church was known as the Shouting Methodists. <laughs> Is that crazy? That's what they were known as. They used to be called the Shouting Methodists. That's why on every Methodist thing, it's got a flame on the cross because they had the fire of God. In fact, John Wesley, we ministered in the same town where he had a revival in England. We ministered in that town. And it was said that there were so many people, people started to climb into the trees, and he had to say, come out of the trees, because the anointing's going to fall, and you're all going to fall out of the trees. That's, that's a true story. That's a true story. John, John Wesley, 1750, right? I mean, then you go on to the 1800s. What do you have in the 1800s? The 1800s, you know, you've got the, the uh, um, uh, Charles Finney's. The Anabaptists, all of those different guys, right? The 1850s. So you got the first great awakening, the second great awakening, the third great awakening. Then the early 1900s, what do you have? You have the uh, Azusa Street and Topeka and, and, and the Welsh Revival, all of those different revivals. I mean, this is American history. Think about this. Then the 1950s roll around. What do you have then? Then you have the A.A. A. Allen and the William Branham, right? Jack Coe. All of these different guys, right? And, and you had the, the healing revival. Then what happened? The 1990s came. It broke the cycle. It, the 90s broke the cycle. It sped things up. So always in American history for 250 years, it was every 50 years God would move in revival in America. But then when the 90s came, it broke. It broke in Toronto, Canada, Rodney R. Brown's ministry in Florida, as well as with uh, the Pensacola Revival. But listen, I'm not waiting another 40 years. Come on, somebody. I'm not waiting. Come on. We're not waiting 40 years for this thing. Come on, right? So, but this has been the, the cycle of revival. Now, if, you, if you're a student of the Word, you know that the book of Judges is a book of seven cycles. It's seven cycles of repentance, seven, excuse me, seven cycles of rebellion, seven cycles of repentance, and seven cycles of revival. But just as we have in this nation, every 50 years, a, a real move of God sweeps across the land. I'm telling you, I don't want to have to wait another 20 years for it to come to pass because it's already been 20 some years. Amen. But we want to see it on a nationwide scale where the demonstration of the Spirit of God begins to manifest. Come on, somebody. Amen. 
where the power of God is in full manifestation, not in one church here and there, but I mean across the nation. Come on. Oklahoma ablaze with the glory of God. Come on, somebody. Amen. Texas ablaze. Amen. Hallelujah. That's what I believe that the Lord wants to do in this hour. Hallelujah. So praise God. Now, from there, go over to, um, uh, let's see, go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2. So what do we do? So how, how, do we, how do we cultivate it? How do we cultivate revival in our midst? How do we do it? It just I already gave the, the scripture, John 7, 37. If any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. It doesn't say if any man thirsts, let him come to me and think. It says if any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. In other words, it's not good enough that you're just thirsty, but you have to participate. You have to taste and see that the Lord is good. Come on, right? So that's where you have to hook up with the Holy Ghost and say, Lord, I'm, part I'm not a spectator. Come on. But I'm a participant. I'm participating in the kingdom of God in demonstration. Amen. It's where the kingdom of God is beginning to break into the kingdom of man. Amen. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2 in your Bible says this. Um, verse 4. In my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. Man, that, that sounds like 90% of churches. Human wisdom, right? But he says, I was in demonstration. It was in what? Ah, so it was in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Then he goes on to say, that, now here's where he just freaks all of our evangelical friends out, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So now it's not that we just have faith in this wisdom thing, but now we actually have faith that God is going to manifest. Where the anointing of God is going to manifest in our midst, you know. And now we learn to be sensitive to the anointing. Everyone say be sensitive. So as you learn to be sensitive, you learn how the anointing of God is moving. You know, I, I've said this for 25 years. You know, one of the most frustrating things, like we'll go and we'll have some revival meetings and and, and people be touched with the power of God and they'll, you know, they'll be doing some, you know, carpet time and stuff. And, and, and God is doing a work in them. You know, many people don't know that, you know, falling under the power is really a trance. That's really what it is biblically. So it's really a person's in a vision and in a trance. So like we were ministering in one church one time. Uh, I think this was California. It might have been New York. But we were ministering and I was telling the people, don't touch somebody. If they're under the power. Go ahead, man. Come on, right? Everyone say, don't touch them. Why? Because you're literally pulling them out of eternity into the natural. You're literally pulling them out of the spirit into the carnal. So we were ministering in this church, and I told the people, I said, listen, don't touch them. Just leave them. And so I said, don't, no matter what, just, just leave them alone. They don't need you. The Holy Spirit's doing a good job all by himself. Right? So anyways, long story short, 
uh, this, this guy is up in the front, and he's just weeping uncontrollably under the fire of God. He's shaking, and he's weeping, right? So a lady gets up, and she walks by me. Now, I'm over here praying for somebody, and I look, and I see her get up, and she goes over to him, and she starts petting him. Like he's a Labrador retriever or something. I said, lady, now she did it in front of everybody. I just told her, I told everybody before, right? I told her, I said, don't do that. I said, listen, he's not your dog. He's okay, all right? Just leave him. God is doing a work. And, and so she went back to her seat and stuff. She was a little offended that I, I said that to her. But I said, listen, I, I, God is doing something. At the end of the service, he got up and he testified. He said, I was in a vision. I was going somewhere with Jesus until she started messing with me. And the whole thing, I snapped out of the spirit. Come on. Amen. So that's where we have to learn to be a sensitive to the anointing, sensitive to the spirit. And as we learn to be sensitive to the Spirit, we begin to start to say, listen, God's dealing with them. I don't need to say it. I remember we were ministering in Michigan. You ever ministered in Muskegon? Yeah. So we were ministering in Muskegon, and we had this little revival breakout. So we were there for a while and so, several weeks. And so we're ministering in this church, great church. And this one night, I, I don't remember what I preached on, but I just said, I just want to lay hands on the whole church. And so I lay hands on everybody, and uh, everybody's just weeping under the power. Everybody's just weeping, right? Some are laughing, and some are weeping. So all over, it was a different structure. It's hard to describe, but it kind of forced you down to the front. Now, there's no room except for one spot in the middle, right? So I see this guy walking in as I'm praying for the last woman. So I said, brother, come down here to the front. He said, no, 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 no. I said, yes, brother, come. Come down to the front. He said, no, 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 no. Now, he's got a manila envelope, right? And he's walking in, and he's sitting in the back, literally in the last row. I said, brother, come. I'm laying hands on everybody. Come on, come on down. I said, Just put your paper down. I didn't know that he came to serve his wife divorce papers. I had no idea. I said, brother, put your paper down. Come down here now in the name of Jesus. So I, I was so frustrated, I just grabbed him, and I just jerked him down to the front. And so I'm looking, where am I going to put this guy? And I said, oh, okay. And he goes, no, 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 no. I said, brother, come over here, man. Just stand right here. I didn't know his wife was laying there. See? I didn't know that, see? But the Holy Ghost. Everyone say the Holy Ghost. So I went, and I lay hands on him. The power of God hits him. He falls, and when he falls, his hand falls into his wife's hand, and God healed the marriage. They tore up the divorce papers, and they stayed in the altar till 1.30 in the morning, weeping on each other. Come on, somebody. Give Jesus a hand clap. Amen? Is that awesome, huh? Everyone say demonstration. That was a demonstration of the Spirit, right? Amen? So go over to 1 Thessalonians. Thessalonians chapter 5. See, now I, I'm, I'm having to do what I'm preaching to you tonight because in the natural, I want to minister healing to the sick. But I just, like, I just, I just know that I'm not supposed to go that way till tomorrow night. So I'm not going that way tonight. So tonight, we're just going to flow with this. Is this okay? Okay. 
So as you're going to 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5, it says this, verse um, 15, start in verse 15. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue that which is good, both for yourselves and for all. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, what? Give thanks, right? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And then in verse 19, he says, what? Don't quench the spirit. Or one version says it like this. The Greek says it a little bit more like this. Don't put out the spirit's fire. Don't put out the spirit's fire. That's what it's saying. Don't put out the spirit's fire. And in the same breath, the Holy Spirit says, do not despise prophecy. Test all things Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now, now after all of this, after not putting out the Spirit's fire, he ends it with this. He says, now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus. Right? Is that right? Jesus Christ, right? So here he's saying this, that in other words, how does that take place? By learning to not put out the Spirit's fire. Learning to yield to the Spirit. As you learn to yield your heart or to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, the more, the more you start to do that, instantaneously what happens is, is God starts something and God begins to fix things and put things back into place. Come on, amen? So there's something about it. I mean, I could tell you of hundreds of different times and places. I remember we were in uh, San Luis Obispo, California. And um, I went and uh, it was a, a Word of Faith church. And so we're ministering in this church. And this particular night, uh, God just started moving. And people started getting drunk in the Holy Spirit. And people just started weeping and laughing all over the church. And so I called this guy up to the front. So this guy comes down to the front. And there was this woman that was stuck in a trance. She was stuck in a trance for over an hour. She never moved for over an hour. She just couldn't move. And the more she tried to move, the, the more drunk in the spirit she got. It was just awesome. But anyways, so I called this guy up. So as I called this guy up, I didn't know he had a tumor in his stomach the size of a softball. I didn't know that. So I said, you, sir, come right now. God's touching you right now. So he comes on up. He was a visitor. And so he comes on down to the front. I put my hand right on his belly. And I didn't even pray anything. I just held, held my hands on his belly. And the anointing of God flowed out of my hands into him. And he was hit with hilarious joy. And he starts laughing uncontrollably. And there was nothing funny. And the more he began to laugh, I just kept putting my hand on him. And so I, I would go minister to the people, and then I'd come back, and I'd put my hand on them again. And so finally, now the back of the church was all glass. So as the back of the church was all glass, it was kind of strange. But as I come the last time, and I go and I, I lay hands on him, um, he jumps up, and he runs out the back of the church. And he runs out, and I could see him. He ran into the men's room. I was like, wow, that dude had to go. Well, <laughs> knock yourself out. We can't help you there, brother. You know, so you got to take care of that one yourself, you know. And so he, he runs out into the restroom. 
And so as he, he's, he's out there, and so I'm praying for other people, and about, I don't know, 45 minutes later or whatever, the meeting was over. And so I was just sitting visiting with some people, and he comes up behind me just bawling, just weeping uncontrollably. And he says, uh, I, I've been diagnosed with stomach cancer, inoperable stomach cancer. And he said, you put your hand right where the cancer was. He said, I just ran into the bathroom, and I vomited all the cancer up right now. Come on, amen? Come on, somebody. Everyone say, be sensitive. Amen. So there's something about learning to be sensitive to the Spirit. You know, I remember uh, many years ago, God began to start to deal with me. Uh, well, even from as a young kid, God would speak to me in dreams prophetically all the time, and I didn't understand it. And then I get born again, and I, I still didn't completely understand it. And so until many years later, God began to start to unfold it all and explain it all to me. And so, um, but I remember this, this one time God started to deal with me about always journaling my dreams, even if they seem foolish. So I'll give you the same word. Journal your dreams. Everyone say, journal your dream. So this one night, I journal my dream. So I write this dream down. I said, oh, that was a weird dream. In the dream, I was in England, and I was praying for this old woman in a hospital who was in a coma. And so as I have my hands on her, like this, right? Not, not how I would normally pray for her. So that's what I thought was kind of weird, because I remembered a picture of Smith Wigglesworth doing the same thing, like this. So I got both my hands on her belly like that, and then she comes out of the coma in the dream, and then her son walks in, and that's all I remembered. So I wrote it down anyway. So we had never ministered in England at that time. This is about the time I met your pastor, somewhere in there, about 2009. So about 14 months later, um, we had an opportunity to go to minister in a couple of places in England. So we go to this one place, then we end up way in the northern part, almost to Scotland. And so I got done ministering, and I'll just be honest with you, I had terrible jet lag. How many of you ever had jet lag? Woo, man, that I hate that, right? So I had this terrible jet lag, and I'm like, okay, the room is spinning. And we had this guy healed. He got out of a wheelchair, and everybody's screaming, and I'm like, I got to let the room stop spinning, so I'm going to go sit in the back. <laughs> So everybody's shouting and praising God. The pastor takes the microphone. So I'm in the back of the room, and I'm just, you know, I, I step out, and I just sat at my book table just to try to let my brain kind of settle. And this dude walks out, and he goes, hey, like this. I'm like, hi. He goes, remember me? I go, no. And he says, you don't remember me. Now he's, like, all ticked off at me. I said, dude, I said, I. We minister in, you know, thousands of people in a given year. There's no way I could remember you. So he goes, Mom, he can't remember me. So now his mother comes out, right? So they both walk over the table. You don't remember me. And now the hair on my neck starts to stand up. And he says, I went to go visit my mother in the ICU. And you were in there in the middle of the night. And you were praying for my mother like and he said, I walked into that room, and he said, my mother sat up out of, the, out of the bed, came out of the coma. Come on, somebody. And you preached the gospel to me. I got saved, and you told me to go get you a Coca-Cola. 
He said, I walked out of the room, and I realized I forgot my wallet in the room in the, in the moment, and I walked back in. You disappeared. I said, brother, we've never been in England in our lives. And the Lord reminded me of the dream. I was translated there. That's called a translation dream in the middle of the night. Come on, somebody. But I believe this is because as we learn to obey and to yield to the Holy Ghost, come on, somebody, right? I believe that we'll have greater and greater things begin to take place. Whether it's at work, whether it's at home, whether it's with your family. Come on, somebody. Not just church, but I'm talking about outside of church, just supernatural experiences. Just where, as we learn the art of just yielding to the Spirit. The Spirit of God just says, give that person five bucks. Yeah, but they don't need five bucks. Give them five bucks. Come on, somebody. Is that right? Why? Because you're learning the art of yielding to the Spirit. And the greater you yield, you're being sensitive to the Spirit. Because you'll never do the great thing if you can't do the little thing. So you can never do the great thing if you've never been faithful with the little. Amen? So God is watching what we're doing if we're being faithful with learning the art when the Spirit of God says, just, just be obedient, just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Just bless that person. Just call that person up. Just, just whatever it might be. Just be obedient. Amen? I say it like this. Obey the first time. Come on, prophesy that to your neighbor. Say, obey the first time. You know, don't, don't make God come back again. You know, some people are like, I'd really have to have a vision from God to do that. Well, then you're never going to see great things. Because then you're saying that God... I am more, I am smarter than you are. Amen. But as we learn the art of yielding, there's just something about it. And this is something that God spoke to me and ministered to me back to over 25 years ago in our meetings in, um, in the early 90s, in 1996, right here in Oklahoma. So right here in Tulsa, but over in Tulsa, I went and a buddy of mine uh, was going to these revival meetings. And this evangelist, he's a friend of mine. His name is Richard. Now he is, but I didn't know him then. And, but he had been there for six weeks. And so I'd never heard of a six-week revival. So I'm like, I got to go see this. So I went, and I sat about halfway back. And in the middle of the service, he was doing the offering. I got hit with the joy of the Lord. Now, that never happened to me before. And I start laughing uncontrollably. And I'm the only one in the whole church laughing. Come on, right? I mean, nobody's laughing but me. And there's like 300 and some people there, and I am la and I can't stop laughing. Okay, I got a loud voice as it is. So I am laughing uncontrollably. And so I'm trying to cover my mouth, right? So I'm like, okay, just hold it together, Thomas. What's wrong with you, you know? And the, the teenager next to me, he didn't care. He just went for it then. He just started laughing, and he slid under the pew in front of us. He got so drunk in the spirit. And I was toast. Once I, once I saw that, I was just finished, okay? And I am laughing so hard. So the evangelist is up there, and, and he's a real little guy. So he's yelling as loud as he can in the microphone, right? And trying to get over our laughter, this teenager and I. And so he goes, all right, ushers, get, the, get this man. I was like, oh, crap, I'm getting kicked out of church, you know? And so they come back there, and they, he has to fish me out because I'm, like, stuck down there laughing uncontrollably. So they, they pulled me out in the aisle, 
And so as these four ushers pull me out, because I'm so drunk in the spirit, and the, the evangelist was up on the stage, he just went like this. He just went, fire. And when he did that, the power of God hit me, and I knocked all four ushers down. And they were underneath me, and I've got them pinned down, and I'm, I'm laughing, and I can't move because I'm laughing so hard. And now the whole place was laughing, and so I, this is what the Lord said to me that day. I'll never forget it. The Lord said, don't get in a hurry. Boy, that's right. Right? Everyone say, don't get in a hurry. Okay. So some people are in such a hurry. That especially like with falling under the power and stuff, many people don't realize you're missing all that God is wanting to speak. Because part of it is the process. You understand? It's not just doop, bam. Okay, so God just wanted me to hit the carpet. No, no, no. That wasn't the goal. The goal was to shut your flesh up so that you could hear what the Spirit is saying. Amen. And so, and so that's what the Lord said, don't get in a hurry. This is what he said to me, though. The way he said it to me was like this. He said, if you went to the doctor and the doctor cut your guts open, would you get up off the table or would you let him sew you up first? That's what God said to me. <laughs> I'm like, well, I, that's quite graphic, but okay, yeah. I mean, I probably would let him sew me up first, you know. And so I laid there. I thought it was probably 20 minutes, maybe 25 minutes. And so finally, I get to a seated position. So as I get to a seated position, I look around the room, and everybody's gone. <laughs> I was like, Lord, did I miss it? <laughs> you know, what happened here? And so long story short, I realized everybody was there, but they were all under the pews. And so they had, uh, you know, dollies that you move the chairs with. And they were loading up the dollies with women. They, they had four women stacked on this dolly. And the one lady, her wig is half coming off on the way out of the church. Let me tell you, that was a sight I'll never forget. It looked like the wig was waving goodbye to the whole church. That was a beauty right there. And I mean, I was laughing so hard. And I realized it was midnight when I looked at my watch. It was midnight. And I realized that God was ministering to me all of that time. I went from weeping to laughter, back to weeping, back to laughter, as I let God finish what he started. Come on, right? So I want to challenge you in, these, in these, this winter revival meetings. I want to challenge you to begin to let God finish what he starts. Don't get in such a hurry. Don't get in such a hurry. You know what I mean? Like, oh, this is for him or this is for her. Oh, this is a good message for that one. I hope they listen. God says, no, 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 this is for you. The old timers used to sing, it's me, oh Lord, it's me standing in the need of prayer. Is that right, sis? Huh? Is that right? Is that what they used to sing? Right? So it's, it's not them, oh Lord, them. That's they, they, they're standing in the need of prayer. No, no, no. It's us. And revival be begins with us as we begin to say, all right, Lord, I'm going to dust off the year. I'm going to dust off life. Everything. God, I'm going to let you do what I've never let you do. You know, there's a lot of people in churches who are so broken because of life. Divorce, drug addiction background, whatever it might be, abuse of all kinds. And a lot of people come to church and they hear a good message, but there's no demonstration for the Lord to fish that thing out and really bring finality. To where that person, where the Spirit of God 
really can reach in and make that person like a tree of righteousness. Where he can really begin to, by the anointing of God, so fix that person that they're whole. Amen? Where they're standing there, just like when Jesus would bring healing and says he was standing healed, whole in his right mind. Amen? And we have so many people in our churches that are so fractured. Come on, somebody, right? Many people, they, they go from relationship to relationship. They go from toxic relationship to toxic relationship. They have toxic relationships with their parents. They have toxic relationship with their siblings. They have toxic relationships with ex-wives or whatever it might be. Come on, somebody, right? And it's just toxicity on every sign. And then they come to church. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's go live my life. Let's watch the football game and let's go to the buffet. Right? And then the cycle starts again next week. And then they wonder why they feel on the inside like nothing's really been fixed. Nothing is really, there's, there's not a wholeness that's really been done by the Spirit. Amen? And this is what I felt like the Spirit of God was saying tonight. These meetings aren't about the golden oldie. This is not a golden oldie sermon of mine. But the Lord began to speak to me as he said, I want to get my people on the operating table. And I want to bring finality with things of the past. As they learn the art of yielding, I want to bring finality. Come on, somebody. Where you don't go into the year. You know, some people, it's just like they're driving through life looking in that rearview mirror of what happened, what should have happened, what didn't happen. Come on, somebody. And you're running everybody else over in the meantime. Why? Because there's no finality. There's no, it's never really been dealt with. Yeah, by, you know, by word it's been dealt with, but never really by the Spirit of God really fishing in and taking that root of bitterness out or whatever it might be. How do I know that? Because that's exactly what God did with me. Amen. Well, I can tell you the spot. I can show you the spot where God touched me. And it wasn't just joy and it wasn't just weeping, but it was finality. Now, I believe that that's a prophetic word for someone here tonight, that the Lord wants to bring finality and really bring wholeness so you can really step into your destiny. Amen? That you can really go walking and leaping and praising God. Amen? Where, in other words, that you're not dragging this old dead carcass with you wherever you go. You know, many people don't know, you know, capital, uh, excuse me, capital punishment back in the Bible days. You know how they de dealt with somebody? If you murdered somebody, here's how they dealt with it. There was no electric chair or hanging or anything. What they did was, if a guy was convicted of murdering another guy, he would, this is not, this is not what I was thinking about sharing, but anyways, I'm going somewhere with it. So they would go, and the dead body of the guy that they killed, they would take that dead body, and they would put it on the back of the person that killed them. And they would fasten their necks together, and fasten their weights together, and fasten their arms together, and they would release them into the desert. So the one they killed would turn and kill them. Literally, that dead carcass would rot on them and that's how they would die of that same person that they killed that's how they had capital uh, punishment in the bible days you understand 
And so they didn't, they didn't put anyone to death. Just the one you killed, it's going to kill you now. Are you with me? But guess what? The Lord spoke to me one time out of that. The Lord began to say, this is what happens. Many people have unresolved things of their past. Unresolved things of their past. Things they've done, things that were done to them, things that were not done to them that should have been done, whatever it might be. And what happens is, is it's like that, that corpse. And they carry that through their whole Christian life. And they quote scriptures, and they sound good, and they clap on the right beat, and they sing with it. You know, come on, somebody. But they're still carrying the corpse. That, that thing from the past is still killing them. Amen? And there's never brought to a head so that there's finality. There's never finality. That's why so many, that's why in our country, you know, right now, uh, divorce and remarriage is just, it's, it's like on a, it, it's just like a floodgate. I mean, what is J-Lo on, like her seventh husband or something? Holy cow. I mean, she's going for a baker's dozen. I mean, whatever, you know. You understand? But at the same time, listen, listen, I, I tell you why. It's because of unresolved conflicts in here. It's because she's not healed in here. And because of that, she's fractured in here. She fractures out here. And no man is going to fix that. Only the Holy Ghost can fix that. Come on, right? Only the Holy Ghost can fix you and I on the inside. So let's let, have, let's let this week not just be, you know, hey, shout, praise God, you know, whatever. But let's let God do surgery this week. I say, Spirit of God, this is the week. This is the time. This is my opportunity, Lord, where I just let you finish what you have for me. Amen. Amen. Lord, this is not what I thought I was going to share tonight. But Jesus, I pray tonight, right now for every single person that's here tonight, that there be a fresh hunger on the inside of them. Every single person that's in here, just a fresh hunger of the wind of God, a fresh hunger of the rain of heaven, a fresh hunger, a fresh thirst for the anointing of God to just come afresh and to touch our lives here in 2023. Lord, I pray right now for a fresh anointing upon every person that would just bring finality to things of the past, that we wouldn't keep dragging dead things into our future. But Lord, I prophesy here tonight, there's some people here right now, some of you here, I'm telling you, I'm telling you prophetically, you struggle with this in your thought life, at least once a week, some of you, and you're dealing with looking into your past, and the Lord wants to heal that thing once and for all, because you're just going to truck over everything else, nothing's going to be healed in the future until you really get whole. So tonight, right now, just lift your hands. Go for it, brother. Will you put that music on tonight in the name of Jesus? Thank you, Father, right now tonight. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God, we give you thanks in Jesus' name. We say, Lord, we're hungry for your presence right now all over this house. Come on, just stretch your hands right now. Lord, right now, touch tonight. Let there be healing tonight. Let there be wholeness tonight. Let there be a chain breaking of abuse 
of anger or whatever it might be right now the Holy Ghost is healing those things thank you Lord Jesus blessed be the name of the Lord come on just stretch your hands right now come on just lay it all on the altar here tonight come on just stretch your hands right now just you hunger your own heart you press in right now Jesus Secrets of the heart, secrets of the mind, secrets, things that we've never shared with anybody. Right now, tonight, Spirit of God, right now, we just hunger for you. Just fill the house, brother. Just turn it up. Tonight, if you feel that's you tonight, that you want to tonight really bring finality to some stuff, I want you to stand up right where you are. Just stand up. Just stand up. If you felt like this is it. I'm not dragging this thing into 23 anymore. I'm not dealing with it in the replay and the videotape in my head. This is the last night. This is the last night. The Holy Ghost, you're the only one that can take it out. Come on, just worship Him in tongues tonight. Come on, just.
If you're, if you're supposed to be down here, just come on up here to the front. Just quickly come. We'll make another op. Just come. Just quickly come. If you're standing, come right now.
name of Jesus. Don't be in a hurry. Let God touch you. Just stay on the floor if God's touching you tonight. Just let him touch you right now. The Spirit of God is just washing. Just lift your hands right now all over the house. Just lift your hands. Spirit of God, just wash. Just wash. Just wash. Just bring things to a head tonight, Holy Ghost. Just bring things to a head tonight, Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus. In the name of In the name of Jesus, Lord, tonight, right now, presence of God, 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 presence of on you guys come on just stretch your hands just receive don't pray just receive right now just receive let God pour in right now he's healing right now he's healing he's breaking chains right now the Lord spoke to me he's breaking chains all over the house come on right now Jesus, come out right now. We set you free right now of anger right now. Some of you are being delivered of anger. Some of you are being delivered of old relationship stuff. Just junk. Just all these bad memories and stuff like that. Some of you with relatives, toxic relationships. 
wicked words that have been spoken over your life. I'm telling you right now, the Spirit of God, the anointing of God is going into you right now and it's pulling that thing out of you. I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you right now. Just let Him do it. Just open your heart. Just stretch your hands right now. Just let Him, just get vulnerable for once. Some of you just, you're not used to being vulnerable, but God is saying, come on, man. Just be vulnerable. Just let me do that work. Let me do that work. Just let me do that work. <laughs> uh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. Do it, 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 Lord. Do it, Lord. All the bitterness, Lord, right now, unforgiveness. All the how comes, all the why me's, all the question marks. Right now, let the Spirit of God just wash that junk out. The Lord is healing you. The Lord is healing you. Some of you came for divine healing, but I'm telling you, the Lord is healing you. Jesus, thank you, Lord, right now for healing, for touching. Tangible presence of God. Some of you have never been able to move on because of a father relationship with your natural father. God is healing that thing once and for all. Right now, I'm telling you, I'm prophesying that to someone tonight. Right now, God is healing that natural father relationship. That's why you have a hard time receiving from God the Father because you see Him like your natural dad.
Just open your heart. Just let him, let him do it. soften tonight. Just soften tonight. Soften our hearts. The Bible says harden not your hearts. How do you harden your heart? You harden your heart when you resist. <laughs> when you're not sensitive. That's why the Bible says it many times. Harden not your heart. Harden not your heart. But some of us, we harden because we're resisting. So tonight it's just yield. Just yield. It's not harden. It's yield. Just put your hand right on your own heart. Lord, tonight, I want a soft heart. <laughs> Jesus, I want a soft heart tonight. <laughs> I don't want a heart of anger and offense and bitterness and unforgiveness. Be a victim. I'm not going to live a victim life. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to be a statistic. Tonight, I'm going to be free. I'm going to be free. I'm not leaving tonight this night of January 2023 is the night when it changed. somebody here tonight you're struggling in your lungs you need you need healing in your physical lungs that's you raise your hand real high is that you is that you my sister yeah. God's healing your lungs right now in Jesus name be healed in Jesus name I set you free right now in your lungs I command your lungs to be healed your lungs to be healed your lungs to be healed who else is that you need yeah put your hand right there Jesus' name, I speak healing to it now. Lungs be healed in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, be healed in Jesus' name. Bronchitis and all of that stuff right now in the name of Jesus. Bronchial tubes be healed. Lungs be open. Lungs be open. In Jesus' name. Now there's someone here tonight that you have a irregular heartbeat at times. Your heart starts racing and goes down. Who is that tonight? Raise your hand real high. Yeah, come my sis. Yeah. There's about two other people. You have the same thing. Your heart, it'll start racing and then it will calm down. You too, pastor? Yeah, yeah. You too, brother? No. Oh, you do too? Yeah, yep. Okay, just put your hand right here. Yeah. In Jesus' name, I speak healing to that heart. I say right now, be open. Cholesterol, all that stuff, be healed in the name of Jesus. Right now, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, tonight for a create a miracle, a brand new heart. 
She'll feel like a 16-year-old girl again. In Jesus' name, completely healed. In Jesus' name, completely healed. Completely healed in Jesus' name. Right now, I command the ventricles. Right now, I command them to be open. Right now, be open. Right now, in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. He's the third one now. In Jesus' name, be healed, brother. Right now, the Lord's healing your heart. Be healed in Jesus' name. The Lord is healing your hearts right now in Jesus' name. Be healed. Be healed. Be healed. Be healed. Somebody in your inner ear. Your inner ear, the Lord wants to heal you. Is that you too? <laughs> right now? <laughs> I'm hitting you on every time I say one. So right now, be healed in Jesus' name. Inner ear. Right now, be healed. All the damage that's been done in your hearing, right now I command it to be healed. Command full healing. Right now, hearing be healed. Right now, hearing be healed. Hearing be healed. Is it this one? Is it? Yeah. In Jesus' name. Right now, hearing be healed. Hearing be healed. Hearing be healed. Hearing be healed. In Jesus' name. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Does it? Yeah, yeah. So in Jesus' name, be healed right now from all of that. In Jesus' name, right now, command total peace. Total peace in Jesus' name. Right now, command peace. Right now, be healed in Jesus' name. Right now, by the Spirit of God, in the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed. You too. You got that? Somebody, you lost your taste. It's not COVID. But if that's you, you lost your taste. Raise your hand real high. Who's that? Is that you, brother? Yeah, come. Come, the Lord's healing you. It's not COVID. In Jesus' name, I speak healing to your taste buds in Jesus' name to be healed right now by the grace of God. In Jesus' name, right now, I speak healing and wholeness your teeth, your jaw, all of that. In Jesus' name, be healed. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord.
Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just one last time. Come on, stretch your hands right now all over the house. Come on, just stretch your hands right now. Just begin to tell the Lord, Lord, I'll be obedient the first time. I'll just be obedient the first time. You don't have to say it again and again and again and again. But Lord, I'll just, I'll be quick to obey. I'll just be quick to obey. Lord, I'll be so quick to obey. The moment you tug on my heart, I'll obey the first time in the name of Jesus. Lord, thank you right now. Come on, right now. You just in your heart, make an, make an altar to the Lord right now. Just right now. Tell him right now. You talk to him right now. Come on. Lord, right now, we just, we say first time obedience. 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 Blessed be the Lord, blessed be the Lord, blessed be the Lord, blessed be the Lord. God, we give you praise, we give you praise, we give you glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Come on, just let's take the next two, three minutes. Come on, just stretch your hands high right now. Just make an altar right now. Just tell them, Holy Ghost, first time obedient. First time obedient. Lord, I'll be, I'll obey. Holy Ghost, you say it, I'll do it. Holy Ghost, you say it, I'll do it. I'll just do it. Come on, right now. Come on, take these last two minutes. Come on, let's just seal it with praying in the Holy Ghost. Come on, right now, take the next two minutes. Come on, right now, everything you got. Everything you got right now, we're going to seal it. God cut some things open. But right now, we're going to seal it with Come on, two minutes. Out loud. Speak in a new tongue. Speak in a new tongue. Don't speak in an old tongue. Stretch your prayer language. Come on, one minute. Everything you got. Everything you got. Thank 
Hele soya borro son rombe de manga la baya. Hele gere jerebere seke chede. Ora samanda na manda na marebede. Tol foro bo seke chebenge le gare sobre boya. Tara manda na na mande ne me seke de borro soyo. Tel fede. Yero mande ne mase. says God brought special miracles or extraordinary miracles through the hands of Paul. I believe we're living in an hour when God is going to, it's, you know, it's not that God hadn't done miracles. You know, Jesus went to his hometown. The Bible says he could do no great miracles there except for heal a few sick folk. It wasn't that Jesus didn't do miracles. It's just that he didn't do anything extraordinary. <laughs> but, when, but when God began to work through Paul, God did extraordinary miracles through the hands of Paul. 
And do you know the dif- you know the difference between what happened with Jesus in his hometown and what happened through Paul? Of course, Jesus said the reason why those people didn't didn't receive was because of their unbelief. Because of their unbelieving. But you know, there are times and there are seasons when God does extraordinary things. And I, I know we like to think we're in control. You know, I, I fly an airplane, I'm a pilot. My son, he's back there on the keyboard. When he was eight years old, he landed his first airplane, mine. Eight years old, he was sitting on a cushion, landed that airplane. He did a great job. And I'd let him land. He's landed at nearly every airplane I've had with the exception of this last one. But he's landed those airplanes. And, you know, when he was eight years old, nine years old, ten years old, he thought he was a pilot. But you know what? He's not a pilot. I'm a pilot. While he was controlling and manipulating the controls of the airplane, what he didn't know was how much he was doing and how much I was doing. Because I'm sitting next to him, you know, making sure that the mistakes that he's making are corrected. That when he's not pulling back hard enough, I pull. That when he's pulling back too hard, I push. One time we were in Maine and he made a, he thought he made a landing, but he was jacking it up real bad. So I put my hands on that control and I moved it around. He was so hyper-focused on what he was doing that when that airplane landed and it squeaked in and it came to a rolling stop, he threw his chest out and breathed in real good and he said, Dad, that was better than any landing you did all the way to Maine. The thing is, he had no idea that I was in control. You know what? That's the way God is with us. A lot of times, a lot of times we think that our successes came because of our our uh, our excellence and our ability. You know, but we don't realize. We here's the deal: we don't realize when we're in control and when He's in control. But I'll tell you what: extraordinary miracles will do. They'll remind you of who's in control. They'll remind you of the one who is able to do exceeding abundantly. But uh, you know, he's the God of the impossible. It's what he wants to do. Amen. So last night, Pastor Ben Lord spoke to me. He said, um, completion. That's our he said, he said, that's what I'm gonna do for you in this year. And that's what I'm doing for my people. There's things being completed. And we've not recognized that the opposition that we face is because the devil knows his time is short. This is a year of completion. Say, God's going to complete some things in me this, this year. Some of you, some of you, he completed in you tonight. Amen. That's what he said. Final, finalization. Completion. Thank God. Amen. So listen, uh, continue to open up your hearts to the Lord and allow him to do what it is that he desires to do in you. We're, we're back here tomorrow. I want you to come with expectation. Amen. Bring bring someone with you. You know, uh, the Bible talks about digging ditches in the valley. You know, sometimes what God is trying to get us to do is he's trying to get us to sacrifice, to, to dig a, a deeper place. I think I may have told this as I'm going to pray. Tomorrow morning's prayer is going to be centered around this. But God wants us to make room for more. Sometimes that's how we do it is by making those sacrifices, doing what it takes to present ourselves unto Him. So listen, I love you. I appreciate you. 
uh, don't miss out on your opportunity. You know, you have to cooperate with heaven. You have to be intentional. You have to be intentional. I just want to tell this lady here, it doesn't matter what you've suffered. I, I hear the Lord saying he's going to give you answers. I, I hear the Lord saying that's what you came here looking for is answers. But God says you're not going to find answers in your circumstances. The Lord says you've looked at your circumstances and tried to determine what God's telling you through what you're going through. And God's not trying to tell you nothing through what you're going through. The devil's trying to kill you is what it is. The devil, the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. God, God want me to tell you, you're in a season where he's going to give you some answers that you need. But you're not going to hear God by, by trying to look at what's going on around you and determine what he's saying by what's going on around He says you have to leave that alone. And you have to seek his face. The Lord says if you will seek him and seek him with all of your heart, the Lord says you'll find him. And God says, and in him, the Lord says, every, he says, every answer that you need, not, not that he's going to answer every one of your questions, because the Lord says, there's some stuff you want to know. He says, it's none of your business. It's his business. But God says, there's some things he's going to reveal to you. I hear the Lord saying that when you, as you, as you find him, God says, some things of the past are going to be buried. The Lord says, he's going to turn your mourning into dancing and your sorrow into joy. God says, God says, this is, this is a season of life for you, not a season of death. So I, I release that to you in the name of Jesus. And I thank God for it. Amen. You are, you are going to leave here with burdens removed and yokes destroyed. You're not going to leave here with the spirit of heaviness that you came in here with. With, the, uh, uh, with that swirling that's going on in your mind that whirlwind in your mind that doesn't give you a rest that doesn't allow you peace I declare peace in the name of Jesus to the spirit of your mind I declare that you're going to leave out of here and the peace of God that passes all understanding is not just going to take your heart but it's going to take your mind in Jesus name in Jesus name Elefredia the Lord says the hell you've been through is about to stop and God says you're about to encounter heaven on earth. When you leave here, you're not going alone. Of course, God's Spirit's going with you. But I see that God is sending an entourage of angels with you. The Lord says he wants you to be reminded that the angel of the Lord encamps around about those that fear him. Amen. And so, Lord, I thank you for that in Jesus' name. I release that to this sister in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that she's leaving here with peace and not torment in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Father, that you're giving her answers. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, this is a season not of, uh, uh, of more loose ends, but I thank, I thank you, Lord, that this is a season of completion for her in the name of Jesus. Thank God. Thank God. All right, listen, uh, tomorrow, 10 a.m., uh, we're, we're here 10, 10 a.m. to 11.30 and then tomorrow night, 7 p.m. till it's over. Amen. But how many of you appreciate all that the Lord has done here today? Boy, I'm grateful to God. I'm grateful to God. Amen. Yeah, let's give him a great big shout. Glory to God. All right, listen. Go in his presence. Before you leave here, love someone because you do. I'll see you back here tomorrow night uh, and or, or tomorrow morning and tomorrow night. And... Uh, Bring someone with you in Jesus' name.